Good evening. Thanks for coming. Uh, before we begin tonight's class, just want to mention quickly some of the sponsors for tonight. Uh, the share this week was sponsored by uh, Chaya Drizen, and this is in honor of her husband, David Drizen's birthday. Just tonight, the 4th of Tevis. May Hashem bless him with Ishnas Bracha Natslacha, wonderful, wonderful good year, full of prosperity and uh, much, much brachas in Bana Chaya Mezayna in all aspects and only happiness uh, for both of you and your family and only, only good and much, much simchas in your mishpacha bekar of mamish and only good things. Thank you so much for this uh, wonderful dedication. Another dedication tonight, this is on the shir and the CD. This is by Maya Nisrol. We are dedicating this in honor of our very dear friend, Reb Shloyma Goldner's birthday, which was today on the 3rd of Tevis. Um, may Hashem bless you with an amazing good year filled filled with abundant abundant blessings uh, so that you could continue doing your work and especially your great support for our center and uh, all, all the other good work you do for the community and for so many Yidin may Hashem bless you with a great expansion and everything and good health and nachas from the children and the grandchildren um, and ongoing ongoing brachas forever and ever Another dedication tonight was by another dear friend, Dr. Chaim Cohen, and this is in honor of his sister um, Ziyartzeit, which is tonight, the 4th of Tevis. Hannah Matla Baschoni, may her neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest of heights. May she channel lots of brachas down to you, to your family, uh, for only mazel and bracha and only, only good things. Thanks to all those who dedicated. Uh, this week is Parshas Vayigash. And in the uh, Torah portion that we learn, um, you know, I was excited. The Parshas Vayigash always excites me because it's a very Mashiach de Geparsha. Um, and everybody knows that I've got a little Mashiach fever, especially these days. Parshas Vayigash is a very, very, a Parsha that, you know, the whole union between Yehuda and Yosef the, is, is referred to in the Zohar as the Kvihine Hamalachim Neyadu Yachtov. The Medrash also mentions it. Kings are coming together. It's the coming together of the two kings, which is the ultimate union, which the, prof, the Navi prophesizes that the end of days is going to be the union between these two kingdoms, the kingdom of Yehuda and the kingdom of Yosef, and all whatever it contains. So this is really, and it's, we see, we're going to see in a moment in the Aftorah of the week, this is the... Um, a very messianic prophecy. It's related. So this union of Yehuda and Yosef contains within itself um, is a, a, what would you say, a forerunner. This is a little taste of Yemoisa Mashiach. We know that throughout history there was a great divide between the kingdom of Yehuda and the kingdom of Yosef. It began already with a competition of Rachel and Leah. And later, later it was translated into a fight between the Shvatim and Yosef. And then it throughout of history, through the very beginning of our kingdom, the first two, the first three kings, Shaul Amelech, and then David and uh, Shlomo Amelech, were all kings over all the Jewish people. But after the third generation of kings, the Jewish kingdom split into two into two kingdoms: the northern kingdom, which was the Aseris Ashvatim, led by Yeravim um, ben Avot, who was a descendant of Yosef of Ephraim, and then um, there was the the Davidic kingdom um, in the south. 
And this is the way it was till all of our history. So the Navi prophesizes in Yechezkel, which is this week's Haftorah, talking about this reunification of the two groups amongst the Jewish people as they come together again and become one. So, and this is initiated in the Parsha where Vayigash Elov Yehuda, Yehuda and Yosef come together. What I would like to do tonight is concentrate on the Haftorah more than the, and not on the Parsha, because many times we find that the Haftorah actually expresses the theme and the main essence of the Parsha um, in a way that you can see it. In other words, many times the Parsha has so many different ideas that you don't know like what's at the core, what's at the crux of the Parsha. When, since the, when the sages instituted to read the Haftorah, the Haftorah is a commentary, a, a commentary on the Parsha, it gives us insight and clarification to understand what is the essence, what is at the main, what is the nucleus of the Parsha. So this week's Haftorah, again as mentioned earlier, has this great prophecy about Mashiach. And Mashiach is the call of the hour right now. Right now as we stand at the threshold of redemption, at the very beginning of the redemption, it is important for us to learn about Mashiach. I mean, I know, you know people get all excited um, and the la- you know, about various different things that happen. People are like saying, Mashiach, Mashiach. And then, with Hashem's help, things calm down in the world. Baruch Hashem. And we're not under such uh, drama like maybe we were a few weeks ago. So then people go back like to thinking like, you know, Mashiach is very, very far from here. But we need to remember, we have to keep Mashiach on the front burner because it is, it is first of all, things didn't really calm down. You know, here in LA, there was no school today uh, for all the schools and even some Jewish, most of the Jewish schools were open, but some actually also canceled. And this is ridiculous. I mean, that millions of children didn't have an education today because of the chaos, because of the madness that is in the world. And let us be very clear that this madness that there is today in the world is not going to be fixed by anybody else but Mashiach. This is not going to be fixed, not by President Obama. First of all, we don't see any leadership in the world. But it's not going to be fixed by Obama, and not by Putin, and not by um, uh, the European Union, or by, or even, believe it or not, even by Donald Trump or by Hillary Clinton. They're not going to fix this problem that's in the world right now. Uh, this threat of terrorism, of global radical Islam, is only going to be taken care of by Mashiach Tzedkenu. So, and that's why it's so important for us to learn about Mashiach, and I'm trying to concentrate and teaching as much as I can do my part in teaching about Mashiach because um, the Jewish people are at the heart of the world. We're the nucleus of the world. And when we, the Jewish people, assimilate Mashiach into our consciousness and into our awareness, that helps Mashiach make his entry into the world with less with less resistance. As we become more open to Mashiach, the world becomes more open to Mashiach. And then you don't need to have chas v'shalem, the all this drama of chas v'shalem breaking or cracking or smashing his way into the world, but Mashiach's world can come in peace. Mashiach can enter the world peacefully. And that's why we need to study about Mashiach and become more comfortable with the subject and the idea. So in this week's Haftorah, we have some fascinating stuff about Mashiach. Now, what we need to remember is one thing that, you know, the, the subject of Mashiach Bechlal is a very vague subject and it's very, it's full with ambu, ambu, whatever the word is. Um, it, it's an ambiguous um, uh, uh, subject. The problem is that many people give opinions uh, a, 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 about 
about the days of Mashiach, and they really, really never studied the subject. And even when you know you ask them questions, people people have this tendency: "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" whoa. Even rabbis: "Oh, no, we don't know this. We don't study about this. You're not supposed to learn about this. You're not supposed to ask questions about this. We don't know. We'll wait and see." I know it's based on the Rambam. The Rambam says that the details, the midrashic elements of what exactly happens first and after. Yes, that's something that we don't. That the Rambam says we shouldn't learn. The Rambam doesn't say we shouldn't be familiar. If the Rambam himself wrote two chapters discussing the world of Mashiach. So obviously we do have to study that carefully. But what's strange is that the same people who say you're not allowed to study it, then go ahead and give opinions about what it's going to be like. Or, or as we mentioned in two weeks ago in the class, scaring people about the coming of Mashiach, which is ridiculous, it's insane. So therefore it is important that we become familiar and we learn what does it say, what are we to expect, so that we can ready ourselves, our families, and those around us for the coming of Mashiach. So this week's Haftarah has some really interesting things, especially about the character of Mashiach Tzedkenu himself, and which we need to become familiar with to know when Mashiach comes, how do we relate to him? Who is he? What is it? And shouldn't be intimidated by Mashiach. What are we to expect? Who is he? This week in Parshas, in the Haftarah, we have some pretty amazing things to tell us about the nature of his kingdom and of his rulership. Anyways, in the, so the Haftarah comes from, from Yechezkel. In Yechezkel, Perek Lamed Zion, it discusses over there, I mentioned earlier, the prophecy of the unification of the kingdom of, of, of Yehuda and the kingdom of Yosef, which is the kingdom of the Aseris Hashvatim of the ten tribes. So it, it, the, Hashem tells the Navi to take two branches, and one of them ride upon them to the family of Yehuda, the other one to ride upon it to the family of Yosef, and then you should bring them, bring them one next to the other. Together they will join together, and they will become one branch, they will become one piece of wood, and then that will be an indication that the two kingdoms will come together as one. And then the Pasuk goes on to say in Pasuk, David, we can have one leader. David and my servant David will be a king over them. and one shepherd will be to all of them. and in my laws they will go. and in my statues they will observe. they will do them. See, it's describing we will have a leader, a, a king, David. We'll soon see what that means. Will be the king over the Jewish people. They'll have one shepherd. And in addition to that, all the Jewish people will follow the law, meaning all the Jewish people will be observant of Torah and mitzvahs, which is already a beautiful prophecy. Then it continues, We will live in the land, also something that we are, need to hear, that we're all going to live in the land of Eretz Yisrael. That I have given to my servant Yaakov. It's interesting. That comes to exclude other people. The Jewish people will live in the land of Israel. That's why, interesting, the Mepharshim say it doesn't say that I gave to Avram and to Yitzchak. It only mentions Yaakov. Because from Avram there can be a claim to the, from, to the, to the Arabs. They're also the Muslims are descendants, or at least the Arabs are descendants of, of, of Avram. From the Christian world can lay claim on the land uh, descendants of Esav. The Pasuk says very clearly that this land belongs, I've given it to Yaakov to exclude everybody else because Yaakov only was the father for the Jewish people. Then it says, They and their children, and their grandchildren, forever. And it, and it says, and it concludes, David Avdi and David my servant, Nasi Lahem La'olam will be a Nasi, will be a leader for them, or a prince for them, or a president for them, La'olam forever. Okay, these are the two verses that I'd like to talk about today. So it mentions again in the beginning of Chavdala that Va'avdi David Melech Aleyem, my servant David will be a king over them. And then at the end it says again, Va'avdi Avdi Nasi Lahem La'olam, that David my servant will be a Nasi for them. Now it seems to imply that who's going to be the ruler and the king, Mashiach, 
in the days on the and the end of days, it's going to be King David, David Amelech, because uh, it says with David Avdi. Um, so we know that we're expecting a man by the name of Moshiach, whatever his name is, but Moshiach, Tzedkenu. So how does it fit with what it says that it's David who's going to be the king? So the Mepharshim say this is from the Metzudais and from the Radak. Um, Rashi doesn't say anything, but the Metzudais and the Radak both say that when it says David, it doesn't mean David. It means a descendant of David. One of the most important characters or elements or qualifications of Mashiach is that he has to be a descendant from David. As it says, Yamud Melech may base David because Hashem promised the kingship to Yehuda, as it says this next week in the parsha. The rulership will never depart from Yehuda. That means Yehuda will always be the king. So that's why David Melech Yisrael Chayvakayim, the kingdom of David, lasts forever. As a result of that, um, Mashiach has to come from David. So it's going to be Mashiach. It's not going to be David Melech. Why does it say David? So again, and that's because Mashiach is a descendant of David. And since he is a mis- m- m- descendant of David, that's why he's called David. The words of the Radak, David, David. Because he will be the, a descendant from David, he is called David. So is also in the Mitsudais. Melech Mashiach, Abba David. King Mashiach, who is a, it comes from the descendants of David, he will be king over them. All right. So now, why, did the, why were the commentaries so pressed? to argue that this is not literally David, this is Moshiach. Uh, this is a grandson of David and not David himself. So the simple, maybe it is David. I mean, we believe in a resurrection. Maybe David HaMelech will be resurrected and he will come back to be Moshiach Tzedkenu. The problem with that is, from a halachic standpoint, is Rambam in the laws of kings uh, describes Moshiach as a person who operates amongst the Jewish people before the coming of Moshiach. Meaning, Mashiach doesn't enter in the world through a bolt of lightning and a blast of a shofar, and suddenly from the clouds we have a new human being that no one has never known before who just comes down and here he is, Mashiach. That's not the way it is. Rambam describes a, a description that there will be a king, someone who will rise as a king amongst the Jewish people. He will have a following. The Rambam says he will go and he will begin the process of um, causing, um, influencing the Jewish people to, to observe mitzvahs. It means that there will be a, a lack of observance, and Moshiach is the one who inspires an observance. Yaakov, he says, actually, he, the words the Rambam uses is Yaakov called Yisrael. He will force all the Jewish people. Now, forcing doesn't have to mean forcing with a sword. The way ISIS does it, forcing can mean a, a, someone who can persuade someone in a way that is, you know, they, in, in a way that's compelling, and a compelling persuasion that's also forcing. That's actually even a deeper forcing, because you're not just forcing the action, you're forcing the mind, you're forcing the emotions, you're forcing the entire human being to accept because you're so compellingly convincing and so, 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 so dynamic. In any case, this is what Mashiach is going to do. And then he has to uh, uh, fight wars, Yilcham Muhammad Hashem, do the holy battles of God, and then he will, when he eventually builds the base of Migdash, and he gathers all the Jewish people, then we know he's up for sure Mashiach, which means it's a process. So therefore you can't say that David HaMelech is going to be Mashiach because if David HaMelech is Mashiach, that means they have to be Tchiyas HaMesim. So when was this, when did the Tchiyas HaMesim occur? When, when, now, when we ask the question, when is Tchiyas HaMesim going to happen? So there's various opinions. I think the most accepted opinion is the opinion of the Zohar, which says that the, the Mashiach's, the Tchiyas HaMesim is going to happen 40 years. The resurrection of the dead happens 40 years after the coming of Mashiach. Um, so obviously then we would say, of course King David can't be Mashiach because it's, it's going to only happen 40 years later. 
Well, the Gemara Masech the Sanhedrin has a whole question if Mashiach can be from the, from the dead, which means it's possible that there should be a resurrection. It kind of in the time of the coming of Mashiach, there is a clear indication that there are going to be tzaddikim who are going to be resurrected instantly right when Mashiach comes. There will be right away tzaddikim, certain great men and saintly people that will be resurrected immediately. How do we know that? It, it says, the Gemara says, when they're going to build the base Amigdash, the Gemara says, how will we know what to do? Whatever, I, I forgot to look it up right now. But the Gemara asks a question, how do we know what to do? So the Gemara says, what do you mean, how do we know what to do? When the third base Amigdash is going to be rebuilt. We're going to have Moshe and Aaron is going to be amongst the Jewish people. We're going to ask them. Now hold it, Moshe and Aaron are passed away already. And if, if we say the resurrection only happens 40 years after Mashiach comes, how are we going to rely on Moshe and Aaron? How does the Gemara possibly argue that Moshe and Aaron are going to be there when we build the third base of Mingdash to give us um, to give us direction of how to build it or how to officiate or how to do the Avodah? We're going to turn to Aaron and Moshe. I mean, they for sure know, well, they're not even going to be there. So from there, you have clear evidence, and the, the commentators say this, that Moshe and Aaron are going to be resurrected immediately, which means them and other tzaddikim as well will be resurrected immediately. So we can possibly then argue and say that David HaMelech will also be one of those tzaddikim that will be resurrected immediately, right? Why not? He was one of the biggest tzaddikim. The, the problem, but that again is only at the coming of Mashiach. That, that's not a period before Mashiach comes. If we say Mashiach needs to be operating amongst the Jewish people prior to the Giyula, then when then then if it's David Melech, that means he would have to be here twenty, I don't know how long it that means, ten, twenty, thirty years, I don't know how many years it would be for him to have an influence in the world before that. Therefore, the Mafarshim are saying that when we say Mashiach, when it says David, it doesn't mean David, it means a descendant of David. Even though, just parenthetically, there is a Yerushalmi where the Yerushalmi says in, in Mesechtas Brachas, it's also a Medrish Rabbah in Echa, Perak Nun Beis, I think in Perak Aleph, where it says over there that the Medrash says a, a very astound, a fascinating thing, that if Mashiach is from the living, then he is going to be a person who is named David. Even though he's not the original David, he's going to be a, a person who is named David. If he is from the dead, then he's going to be David himself. That's how the Mepharshim learn what the Yerushalmi says him. So you see clearly that what? That there is a possibility that David HaMelech is going to be Moshiach himself. However, um, we cannot take that literally. To say that David is... Because for, for the reason I just mentioned now, that you can't say Moshiach is going to be from the ones who get up in Trias HaMesim because of the work that needs to be done by Moshiach himself before the coming of Moshiach. So therefore you have a problem with him being a, um, a person who, who lived a long time ago and is coming back at the coming of Mashiach, uh, at the time of, the, of, of, of Mashiach's coming, because where, was, where is his work that prepares the Jewish people for the coming of Mashiach? That's a problem. If so, what does the Rishalmi mean? That it will be David himself. So for that, it makes it, 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 it's most likely to say like the Arachayim. The Arachayim HaKadosh says when it comes to the question, um, it says in the Medrash, another, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu was the first Mashiach, and Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be the final redeemer. Goel Rishon hu Goel Achrin. The first redeemer is the last redeemer. And here's the question. Obviously, how can you say Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be the redeemer when um, Moshiach has to come from Shevet Yehuda? He has to be descendant from David HaMelech. That's his first qualification that Ramam says. And Moshe Rabbeinu is not, first of all, he lived before. He's not a descendant from David. He's way before him. And he's not, he's not, he's not in the same family. The, Moshe Rabbeinu was a levy. And Moshiach and David come from 
Yehuda, and the kingdom belongs to Yehuda. So the Arachayim explains it doesn't mean in a literal sense that Moshe Rabbeinu will be Moshiach. It means that Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama will be enclosed in Moshiach, and Moshiach will redeem the Jewish people with the power of Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, that, that's not to say that Moshe Rabbeinu will only be enclosed in Moshiach, because we, we just mentioned earlier that Moshe Rabbeinu will be there at the resurrection. So you have to say that Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama can split, and part of his power goes into Moshiach, and then of course we have the reincarnation of Moshe himself with us. In any case, just like we say that in regards to Moshe Rabbeinu, the same would mean the explanation in the Yerushalmi, in the Jerusalem Talmud. When it says that David HaMelech himself might be Moshiach, it means the neshama of David HaMelech will be, resurre- will be in- incorporated into Moshiach's neshama, and that's how he will redeem the Jewish people. In any case, the Mepharshim say clearly that we're not talking about David HaMelech himself, we're talking about a descendant of David. Okay. Once we know that, now let's take a look a moment at the Pasuk and see that the question, just to point out a couple of questions over here that need clarification. And again, by the end of the year, we're going to have certain clarity about Mashiach that's really, really amazing coming from these Pesukim. And that is number one, in the, in the, in the, it, it mentions about David Amelech, about this character called, for whatever reason, David over here. And it speaks about him two times about him ruling the Jewish people. First in the beginning of Chavdal it says, Va'avdi David Melech Aleim. And then in the end it says, V'david Avdi Nasi Lahem La'olam. David, my servant, is a Nasi. So the question is, what's the repetition? Why V'avdi David Melech? And then again, V'david Avdi Nasi Lahem. It's already, he is a king. Why, why do we need to say again that he is a Nasi? Secondly, what's the difference? The first time it mentions that he is a Melech, he is a king. And the second time it says he is a Nasi. So is he a Melech or is he a Nasi? Which one? Now Melech and Nasi is general the same thing, but there is a difference. A Melech is more of a supreme leader than a Nasi, which is a, rather I should say Nasi means like a supreme leader. A Melech is a king, which is a higher, more powerful state to be in. Why the change in the language between a Melech or a Nasi? The other thing is, in the first Pasuk, it, when it refers to David the Melech, it says, Va'avdi David, my servant David. It puts the word servant before the word David. When it says afterwards, however, in the end of Pasuk Chafei, it says, V'david avdi, not V'avdi David, V'david avdi. Now we would assume that we can assume that the Torah, the, the prophecy, the prophet Yecheskel, who is speaking the word of God, is accurate with his words. The fact that he changes the order and says, V'david avdi nasilahem, there must be meaning to that why he changes that. Another thing to take note of, in the first um, statement, it says, "Va'avdi David Melech Alehem." He will be king. He will reign over them. In the second time, it says, "V'David Avdi Nasi Lohem," to them. It doesn't say Alehem. And what's the difference? Why the first time it's Alehem and the second time it's Lohem? And last, um, last question. It the, the in the first statement it says, "Va'avdi David Melech Alehem." That my servant David will be a king over them. It says, Veroya echod yelakulam, and they'll have one shepherd. That's it. In the second time, it says, Vidavid avdi nasi lahem, but it adds one very important, crucial word. Le'olam, he will be king over them forever, for all eternity. So, how come when it comes in the first Pasuk, it doesn't say le'olam, and in the second Pasuk, when it speaks about his nasios as a nasi, it says le'olam forever? Okay. So, um, in order to understand this, let's take a look at a fascinating passage of the Talmud. This is a Mesech Sanhedrin. Um, 
Taf Tzadik Ches, where you have all the juicy stuff about Moshiach, in Perik Chelek, um, in the 11th chapter of Masech the Sanhedrin, on page 98, the second side, Amr the base. So over there it says like this, um, the Gemara brings Amr of Yehuda Marav. Rabbi Yehuda says in the name of Rav, Makes an interesting statement, which is hard to understand what he wants to say. But he says that in the future, Hashem is going to appoint to the Jewish people another David, another David. Shanamar, it's a pasuk. He quotes a pasuk where in Yirmiyo. It says, um, They will serve God, their God. There's David Malcolm and David, their king. That I will appoint to them, that I will. Uh, raise up, uh, make rise for them. And he learns out like this. And since it says, Akim, I will make rise, is a sign that this is not the same David. This is not King David of the past. Because then it should have said, they will serve, or they will, they will serve their King David that I have appointed. It doesn't say that I have appointed, it says that I will appoint. Right? And Yermio and Avi lived already after King David's times. So he should have said that I have appointed is a sign that this is not the same David. This is going to be a David Acher. Hashem is going to appoint another David. Now, obviously, this other David, this is Mashiach, because he's the king that will be there at the end. Okay. Amalei Rav Papa Abaya. So Rav Papa says to Abaya, I have a question. Rav Papa, one of the sages, asks Abaya, Voxiv, I have a Gavaldiga question. It says in the Torah that we were just reading earlier in Yecheskel, in Perek Lamed Zayin, it says, V'david Avdi, Nasi Lahem Olam. David, my servant, is going to be a, a ruler for them, a president for them, a prince for them, Olam forever. Okay, we have to, what's his question? Like Rashi explains, he's asking, what are you telling me there's going to be another David? I have, a, I have an explicit verse that's telling me that this is the old David, because it says, David Avdi, my servant, David will be a king forever. So is it a new David or is it an old David? Which one is it? Is David HaMelech himself going to be Mashiach? Or this is a new David? So the Gemara answers, Kegoin, Keser Palgi Keser, a ruler and a half a ruler. What does that mean? A kaiser, is the ruler, is a king. And a half a ruler means a second, a vice kaiser, or a vice president, like a president and a vice president. Which means, as Rashi explains, this that it says that I'm going to appoint for them a new David, that's talking about Mashiach, he is a new David. He is the new David. I, the Pasuk says that there's going to be an old David, the David Avdi Nasilam, which seems like the Gemara is learning, means the ancient King David. Uh, he, will, he will be there as well. There will be actually two rulers for the Jewish people. The governing power of the Israel, of the Jewish people, and of the entire world is going to be by two rulers. Moshiach himself, and he's going to have a, a subordinate, a second in command, and that is going to be his great-great-great-great-grandfather, King David, David HaMelech. And he's going to be Palgi Kaiser. He's going to be a half of Kaiser. And Rashi says, to support that, when it says, V'david Avdi Nasi, that David is going to be the Nasi, it doesn't say V'david Avdi Melech, David is the king, it says V'david Avdi Nasi. Nasi, Rashi says, means Nasi V'loi Melech, only a president, a ruler, but not a king. Okay, now, let's just analyze this passage of the Talmud. First thing we need to understand is, what is Rav saying? Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav, Hashem is going to appoint upon the Jewish people Another David. So it would seem almost like 
all the everybody's ignorant. People, meaning that that that, that Rav is coming to tell us something that what that you should know that there's going to be someone who is going to be Mashiach. He's a new guy, not the old David. It would almost seem like every and until then, what did everybody think that it's David Melech who's going to be the ruler? I mean, did everybody believe that David is Mashiach? He comes to give me a novel idea. You should know there's going to be a David Acher. What does he want? What is Bechlal? I mean, we all know from when we're little children, I'm sure this was known in Jewish history, there is a man called Mashiach. And there's prophecies in the Torah about him, and that's it. So we know. We know David. The Ramam refers to David the Melech also as a Mashiach. Mashiach Rishon. What does he Ram want to say? There's going to be another David. As if he like discovered America. There's going to be another David. What does he want? What is he saying? Or we might say, perhaps we can say that he wants to say that that Moshiach, his name is going to be David. And if so, if that's what he wants to say, is his name going to be David? Is that what he really wants to tell us? That we have to look for someone whose actually name is David? Or is he someone that we're going to call him David because he's a descendant of David? Like we said, the other commentators in, 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 in the Navi say that he's, he's doesn't say, they don't say his name has to be David. He's called David because he's a descendant of David. Okay, so, it, so it's hard to understand. Why does... Rav, 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 Rav want to tell us that Hashem is going to appoint another David. David Achar, another David. Good. Question number two. Rav Papa says to Abaya, he asked him a question. How can you say there's going to be a new David? The Pasuk says, V'avdi David nasi aleim, that my servant David is the king. Implying that it's the old David. Hold it. Did Rav Papa not go to Chumash class? Did he never learn? I mean, we just quoted the Radak, the Mitsuda, it's not, I know for sure Rav Papa lived before them, but in the same way they figured it out, Rav Papa could have figured out the same thing. When it says David in the Pasuk, it doesn't mean literally David. When it says David, who does it mean? It means a, 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 the, the grandson of David, who is called David because his power to rule comes from David. His right to the throne comes from David because Hashem promised David Amalek that you will be the eternal king of the Jewish people. And that's why his grandson is also called David. He's the, he's the, he's the, he's the heir to, to the kingdom of David Amalek. Good. So what's this problem? What's this question? So I have a pasuk that says that David that, 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 that David is going to be... Yes. So how does that contradict that it's not going to be another David? Rav says it's going to be a new David. He says, I have a question. It says, Well, of course. Well, so when it says, It doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean literally David. It means a new David. What's his problem? What, what, what was his question in the first place? To make matters worse, Rashi says, When the Gemara answers, what does the Gemara answer? He will be a king and there will be a sub king, a second in command. So Rashi proves, Ah, and that's why it says, That David, my servant, will be a Nasi. And it says Nasi, not a Melech. So you see from here, he's only a second in command. Hold it. In the same... That's true if you're only reading the second verse in, 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 in um, Yecheskel. But if you'll read the first verse that I mentioned earlier, Pasik Chavdalad, verse 24... It says clearly, "V'avdi David Melech Aleim." It's talking about the same David because we're we're mentioning it twice in the same breath, David and David. And there it does say Melech; he's a king. So how can you tell me that what the proof that this that the ancient David, the first David, is only going to be a pres- he's only going to be a second in command is because it says "V'avdi David Nas Nasi only Nasi not Melech." Right before that, it mentions Melech. So something is really wrong over here, right? Something something is not clapping over here. Something doesn't fit. Okay, then another question. What is the idea that 
suddenly, you know, Mashiach needs a helper. You know, the Jewish people had many, um, many kings. And we don't find, it's interesting, we don't, in the world we find the concept of a melech, a king, and a mishnah melech, and a second-in-command king. This week in the Parsha, we're learning about um, Yosef. Yosef was the viceroy of Egypt. He was a second-in-command. He, uh, he was the one running the show. And Parah was the, was the supreme ruler over, over Mitzrayim. So there is a concept, Mishnah Melech. Mordechai was appointed by Achashverosh. Also, the Pasuk calls him over here, Mishnah Melech Achashverosh. Ki Mordechai Yehudi, Mishnah Melech, he's second in command to the king Achashverosh. So we find a Mishnah Melech. But in Jewish kings, in the Jewish monarchy, we don't find that. You don't have any Mishnah Melech mentioned, especially not by the kingdom of David. David didn't have, King David himself didn't have a Mishnah Melech. Shlomo Melech didn't have a Mishnah Melech, a second in command. There is only, if you look through Navi, you'll find one Mishnah Lamelech. There's a grandson of David, his name is Achaz. He was one of the kings later of the two tribes, Yehuda and Benjamin. And he was not a good king. The Pasuk describes him as someone who did not go in the ways of David. And he brought upon the people a lot of trouble. There were wars in his days. His army fell, was defeated. And many, many Jews fell, like 120,000 people were killed. And then in addition to that, some of his family members died. And it mentions someone one of, one of his family members, who was the Mishnah Lamelech, who was the second in command. It's the only time we have a mention of a Mishnah Lamelech. One more time we can argue there's a Mishnah Lamelech. Yonasan says to David Lamelech, um, when you will become king, uh, I will be your Mishnah. So you see, he at least makes the suggestion that I'll be a Mishnah Lamelech. But we don't find. Now we do find a concept of second in command by a Kohen Gadol. You're familiar with the idea called the Kohen Gadol is the high priest. The second in in line after the Kohen Gadol is the Sagan. That's a concept that we have all over Mishnah, a Sagan Kohen Gadol. And Rambam actually, when he describes what the role of a Sagan Kohen Gadol, says that he is similar to Mishnah Lamelech. Okay, but that's only by, and even though he uses Mishnah Lamelech, but in, if you learn, you learn Rambam or you learn in Allah, you don't see anywhere a specific halacha, laws that characterize a Mishnah Lamelech to make him any different than any other ministers of the king, that he should have a halachic criteria, he should have an halachic definition. So why suddenly by Mashiach do we say that Mashiach needs to have a, a Mishnah Lamelech? Now, the Maral has an interesting explanation on this. The Maral wants to argue that Mashiach, he's going to be so high, his spiritual level is so high, that it is unbefitting to him to be someone in charge over the petty things of running the country. He is going to introduce only really very high, he says the words, the words that Maral says over there, in Yanem Elohim, godly, the massive godly changes in the world, he's going to do, Mashiach is going to do. Um, and he needs to have a Mishnah Lamelech, and that Mishnah Lamelech is going to be called David because he's on the level of David Lamelech. So it's interesting, he's, the Maral doesn't say he's going to be literally David. He's uh, on the level of, the, even his second command is going to be on the same level like David. He's going to be the second guy. Second, but Mashiach, because he was anointed with Shem and Amishcha, he's so beyond. He's so that's his, his interpretation. It's interesting. Okay, let's see if we have another explanation on this. Why suddenly we're talking about a Mishnah Melech and David Melech? I'm sorry, Mashiach is the king, and King David. Uh, if that mean, it, it seems to be implying that he's going to be the second in command. Um, and then another question: How come when the Gemara wants to describe these two kings that are going to be when Mashiach comes. It uses a 
term of a, um, a, a Roman word. Kaiser, upalgi kaiser, a, a kaiser and a half a kaiser. Kaiser is a, is a ruler, and they were called Kaiser because of Caesar, and the Roman emperor. So it's been an emperor and a half of emperor. I mean, the concept of a melech, it's like usually if the Gemara uses an, a, a, a term of another language, it's because that's what people are more familiar with. You know, melech is a very obvious word that everybody knew that a king, a king is a king. Even the concept of Mishnah Lamelech is, is, is an idea that we find. Again, I mentioned earlier, we don't find halachically a concept of a Mishnah Lamelech, but the Torah speaks about a Mishnah Lamelech in Yosef, and, in, and we mentioned earlier, Mordechai. So why does the Gemara use the term Kaiser or Kaiser? There must be some deeper reason for that. So to explain all of this, and to understand this all, so here's an interesting suggestion, an interesting idea. And that is when the Gemara suggests that there are going to be two kings. There is going to be a king and a palgekaiser. What really the Gemara is saying is we're not talking about two people. This is similar to what we had discussed a few weeks ago, and I mentioned in a class, that Moshiach himself, there's two Moshiachs. There's a Moshiach, a descendant of Yosef, and there's another Moshiach who is a descendant of David. So we mentioned in that class that some opinions say that we're not talking about two people, but it can be one person who encompasses, I think the Vilna Gaon says it, it's one person and has two stages in his life. Stage number one is when he's Mashiach ben Yosef, and eventually he himself takes the role as Mashiach ben David, and I guess he has to be a grandson of both of them, somehow in his lineage, in which he can represent, have these both things included in him. So the same idea is when the Gemara says over here that Mashiach is going to be... Um, um, both a, a Kaiser and a Palge Kaiser, we're going to see soon. We're talking about one person. Mashiach himself has two roles in his, in his kingship, in his rulership, in his dominion, him as a, as a ruler over the Jewish people. He has two elements. He's a king and a half a king. And, this, and these indicate the two elements in his kingship. So um, this will clarify a lot of things. Okay? So let's see. We'll begin with, when the, Gemara, see, when the Gemara says right at the beginning that Rav said that Moshiach, that Baruch Hu, that Hashem is going to appoint another Moshiach, I'm sorry, another David. And we asked the question before, what does he mean, another David? I mean, that is, is, what does he want to emphasize with, uh, with another David? That, that he's also going to be called David? Or that Moshiach is not David? It's not that. The emphasis is on the word another. What does he mean, another what he means over here is that even though Mashiach is a grandson from David HaMelech, and in general we understand his role as being the implementer of the continuation of the Davidic dynasty in the world. In other words, we once had a Jewish king. We just had a Jewish a Jewish a Jewish Melech, a sovereign ruler of, the, you know, of our king. And, and this kingdom lasted for whatever, and then it kind of got destroyed, and it was annulled, and it's going to come back. Mashiach is going to re, like the Ramam says, Lahachzir Malchus David. He's going to bring back the Davidic kingdom, Layoshna, to its previous state. So we would think that that's, that's what Mashiach is all about. He's kind of implementing what was before. So Rav, Rav is saying, Rav Yehuda says in the name of Rav, no, you should know, that means that Mashiach that is going to be the ultimate king of the Jewish people is not going to be just merely a 
continuation of what was before. But he is going to be such such a radical, he's going to make such a revolution in the world. His kingship is going to be so novel, so new, so ridiculously powerful and great that it's that 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 it's going to be a novelty that has never been here before an amazing chidush something totally new and that's what we mean david acher meaning it's not what was before it's another david it's like a david upgrade but it's so much higher than what was it's not just it's not at all even close to what was before and that's the emphasis that he's going to be a david not Again, not that we're talking that he has to tell us that it's not David. Of course we know it's not David. As we brought all, everything we had discussed earlier. What we mean is that his virtue and his power on the throne is not David's power actualized. It's something on a whole new level. That's the meaning of David Acher. By the way, if you look in Maral, in, uh, in Chedush HaGadus, he actually explains this. He, he says this idea. He says that's what, what, what he means, David Acher. It's not going to come from the power of David. It's a total new new idea. I'm not saying the Peter of the morale because in the explanation later, I'm, it's different. Because the morale learns that when the Gemara answers it's going to be two Davids, it's actually going to be two people. But uh, according to what we're saying now, it's actually going to be one person, David. But David in his kingdom itself, he has one idea that he's what? He's a total new entity a new entity, a new being that has never been here before. Then, so then the Gemara asked the question, that's, that was Rav Papa's question. Rav Papa says to Rabbi, I don't understand, the Pasuk says, V'david avdi, nasi lahem. Where the emphasis over here is, of course Rav Papa knew what the Radak said, and what the Mitsudais said, what the commentators say, that when it says David, it doesn't have to be David, it could be a descendant of David. But from the fact that the Pasuk is referring to his kingdom as V'david avdi, my servant David, what is that implying? That is telling you that his power his, as, as a king is David. You're telling me that it's a David Acher, it's a new David, it's a new entity, it's a new beast, so to speak. I'm sorry for using that term, but I mean it's a new, it's a, right, it's a new thing that has never been here before. Uh, but, 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 but David Avdi, the Pasik says, David Avdi Nasi, that my servant David is a Nasi. So it is attributed to David. So the Gemara answers, you know what? Both are true. Moshiach is acting as the ultimate realization of David HaMelech. But that's not his true greatness. That's one of his elements. That is the idea that V'david avdi nasi lahem. David is a nasi. And in that, but that is only palga kaiser. That is his, he's a half a king. His true quality of a king is in that he's a kaiser. And that's V'david Achar. That's a new David. Well, this will understand also uh, the idea of why one when and that's what it's talking about again in our psukim, I mentioned before in in pasuk chav dalit and in pasuk chav hey, when the pasuk says um, in pasuk chav dalit it says va'avdi david melech aleim and this other one it says v'david avdi nasi lahem. What's the difference between avdi david melech and nasi? But that's what it is. Melech means his true role as king, his higher role as king. That he is not as a representative of King David, but as something totally new. Then when it says, V'david avdi nasi, nasi means a lesser. Nasi means an elevated human being. But not melech. That's a secondary stage of Mashiach being the, the nasi of the Jewish people, in which he is realizing what was before. As we say, V'chisei david avdecha, the continuation of David. 
This will also explain, and we'll, again, we're soon going to explain why does Mashiach have to have both these qualities. But again, first of all, we're not talking about a Mishdala Melech. Because I asked before the question, you know, where do we find in Halachic in a, a king who had a Mishdala? The answer is Mashiach doesn't either have a Mishdala Melech. He's one ruler. He has within himself a Melech and a Mishdala Melech, but they're both in him. But this will also explain, but again, what the roles are and why we need both. We'll see in a, in a few minutes. But first, let's take a look. This will also explain how come in the first Pasuk it says, Va'avdi David, and the second Pasuk it says, V'david Avdi. What's the difference between Va'avdi David and V'david Avdi? It's the same thing, but in reverse order. And the answer is, which one is primary? If you're saying Va'avdi David, you're emphasizing on the Va'avdi, that he's my servant. And he happens to be, who's my servant? He's David. If you're saying V'david Avdi, the emphasis is that he's David. He's David, my servant. So here's the idea. The first Pasuk is talking about Mashiach as Mashiach. That means his quality as Mashiach. His qualities as Mashiach is not attributed to David HaMelech. There is something novel and new in this human being that has never been here before. And that is, even though King David is called my servant, and even though Moshe Rabbeinu is called my servant, Moshe Avdi Meis, it says that, but no one can compare to the servitude of Mashiach. Mashiach is the ultimate Avdi, the ultimate Eved Hashem, servant of God, unmatched by any human being ever before. That's his own quality. And that's why the Avdi, my servant, the quality of him, of who he is, this is his quality. Now, he happens to be, as we said, he's a descendant from David the Melech. So the Avdi David, we're calling him David too. But the emphasis over here is the Avdi. And that David, with that power of servitude, and it's interesting, precisely because of his extreme humility, precisely because of his extreme surrender to God, that's why in him is vested God's ultimate power to be the ultimate ruler over the world. His real malchus, melech aleim, comes from his total abnegation to Hashem to be the ultimate evid. But again, that's not David's quality. That's Mashiach's quality. Then the second passage is saying, the David, now, a quality that Mashiach has, so to speak, be Yerusha. He has it as an inheritance, which he gets from his great-grandfather, David HaMelech. The David Avdi, David my servant. That's the second quality of Mashiach. That's him being a Mishnah Lamelech, a, 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 a second element in his rulership. That is the David Avdi, Nasi Lahem. But that's a Nasi, that's not a Melech. This will also explain the difference why in the first time it says Venasi Alehem, and over here it says Lahem to them. But first let's preface something and say, for what are these two in Yanim? Two distinct aspects in Moshiach's kingship in which we're, we're identifying over here. So we have to look in again, the book to always to look and to get clarity and everything is um, the Rambam. So... Um, when the Rambam gives us kind of the job description of Mashiach, Maimonides says two things about Mashiach. Number one, two general ideas you get. To, I mean, of course, a lot of things about him. But are, again, this is in the laws of chapter of Kings, chapter 11, and then chapter 12. Um, and we're also going to use Hilchas Tshuva, the Rambam in the laws of Tshuva, Perek Tes. So when the Rambam describes Mashiach, the Rambam says that Mashiach has a job that first of all is he has to influence um, the Ramam says about Moshiach, okay? Number one, he has to influence all the Jewish people to keep Tyremitzis. The Yaakov Kol Yisrael to go in the ways of Ulachazek Bitka, to strengthen the, the, the observance, right? 
Then, and then he, okay, that's number one. He's influencing observance amongst all the Jewish people, which is something just to think about. Think about that. You know, now we have about, I don't know how many, how many million Jews there are today. 16 million, I don't know exactly. They, from time to time, they come up with new numbers. I don't know, 16 to 20 million Jews, maybe more, hopefully, Kenai Nahara, Ken Yerbu. How many are observing Torah mitzvahs? Two million, two and a half million, three million? I hope so, but I doubt so, right? So now Mashiach is going to have an influence. Obviously, he's going to be some powerful ruler. To be able to influence, as I mentioned earlier, he's not going to do it with uh, with a sword and with compelling people by the, by putting a gun to their head. That's uh, one, you know, that's... Um, the uh, there are those who do that, but that's not the way we Jews have always seen things, right? Uh, number two is that so he does that. The other thing is that he is he fights the wars of God. Okay, he builds a base at Migdash, gathers the exiles of the Jewish people. And Maimonides actually also says that he influences. Here's the main thing: he influences the nations of the world. The Rambam says, and this is in Perik Shneimas or in Perik in Perik Yud Beis, the first halacha. The Ramam says, He's going to cause all of humanity to accept the true faith. That means Christians are going to drop Christianity. The Muslims are going to drop, are going to drop Islam. The Buddhists and those that are still worshipping uh, uh, pagans, uh, the, the, the pagan people around the, uh, are all going to leave there. And all the, all the people across the world, from China to, to, uh, to Australia, to Africa, to South America, to all of Europe, across the world. Unbelievable. Moshiach is going to bring all of humanity to the true faith. Obviously, he's to believe in one God, to believe in the God of Moses, the God of Moshe, and obviously to live by the law of what the Gentiles expected to live by, by the law of the Sheva Mitzvah, the seven Noah laws. Right? And then the Ramam even goes ahead and says that Moshiach is going to have even a deeper impact in that he is going to, the world is not going to be busy with anything else. There's, first of all, there's not going to be any jealousies, there's going to be a competition. And all of mankind is going to seek to know Hashem. Okay? But the main thing is, we mentioned earlier, is that Moshiach has to influence observance amongst the Jewish people, get all the Jewish people to observe the law, and get all the Gentiles into the world to observe their laws. And to, so now that power, that's a power of royalty. That's a power, a sovereign ruler. That's really the job of a king. A job of a king is to bring law in the land, law and order in the land. The law and order that we're talking about over here is a higher law and order. It's the God's law and order of the land. That God, that's Mashiach's job as a king, as a melech. And for this he's going to influence, I mean, this kind of an influence is an influence through his domineering power. Now it could be that he, what, he's, what, what is going to be the power to dominate the entire world, all 8 billion people in the world? How is, how is Mashiach going to do that? That power, again, it's God's power of kingship that's bestowed upon him. It might be this incredible charisma, godly charisma, in which he's going to capture the ears and the hearts and the minds and the aspirations and the ambitions of all of humanity. But this is royal. This is his power of sovereignty, of kingship, of rulership over the entire world. That's his one element of Mashiach's job. Second element of what Mashiach has to do is, 
is that the Ramam I mentioned earlier was, says that when Mashiach comes, two things. The Ramam says, first of all, Jews are going to be very, very wise. The Jewish people are going to be extremely wise people. They're going to know all the mysteries of creation. They're really deep things. They're going to apprehend the knowledge of their creator. According to what a man is possibly to comprehend. But earlier, the Ramam also, that's, that's about the Jewish people. For the, the rest of the manatee, it says, that the occupation of all of the world is going to be to study, to learn. Everybody's going to want to know God. That's going to be the hottest subject. Everybody's going to be learning, seeking information, learning about Hashem, seeking to experience God. Okay? That's, that's what the Ramam says here. Now, in Hilchus Tshuva, now, the question is, where is all this expansion of knowledge and thirst going to come to the world from? But mainly, where is this knowledge going to come from? So we know it says, Ki mitzion Torah, Hashem Yerushalayim. It says, all of mankind, v'naharo el of kalagoyim, that all the nations are going to come to the nochan yiahar beis Hashem, the mountain of the house, the beis Amigdush is going to be uh, on, on the beis Amigdush, and all the nations of the world are going to flock, v'naharo kal kalagoyim, that the word of God will go out of Jerusalem. From who? Who is going to be that word of God? Where is it coming from? Is there suddenly just going to be an expansion in our minds to, to understand? Maybe that as well. But you see clearly from the Rambam and Hilchus Tshuva that this, is, this too is Moshiach's work. Because the Rambam says, in Allah Bez in Perek Tess, in, in Hilchus Tshuva, it says, because in those days, the knowledge and chachman emes is going to increase. The world is going to be filled with godly knowledge. And then the Ramam says, because that king who is going to get up from the descendants of David, he's going to be a even wiser than King Solomon. King Solomon is called the wisest of all men. He is going to be a wiser than Shlomo HaMelech. And in prophecy, he's going to be close to Moshe. He will not exceed Moshe in prophecy because that the Pasuk, the Torah says, no one will ever surpass Moshe in prophecy. Here's a crucial word. And he will teach the entire nation. He will teach all of Israel. He will teach them the way of God. And even more, all the nations in the world will come listen to him. Shanamar, he brings that passage like I mentioned earlier, will be in the end of days. That God's mountain will be firmly established on them. So now, so you see from here that the role as a teacher to teach and to inspire and to bring people to a godly experience and knowledge of God, that too is going to be Mashiach's role. So that's a second role. You see, one is an enforcer of, of, of law, the f- enforcer of a true belief, uh, right? Hashem's dasa emes, the Ramam says. The das, das means the, the, the discipline of truth. The, I don't like to use the word religion because it's become such a, uh, a word that a lot of people are allergic to. So it, it means a true, a, true, a true faith, rather, a true belief system. Everybody's going to follow. This is Mashiach as a dominating power over the world. A melech. Another one, you know, will be a teacher. And, and that's the difference of why Mashiach is called a melech and a nasi. You see, the word nasi is a term that is used for the head, in, at least in rabbinic terminology. It's used for the head of the Sanhedrin. 
the highest authority in Jewish law is called the Nasi. There used to be a Sanhedrin of 70 of the elder Supreme Court, and the Nasi was the one in charge over them. So a Nasi is the highest position of Torah um, leadership and teaching. Melech, it means a king, a sovereign ruler. Two, two separate things. Moshiach is going to be a Melech, and Moshiach is also going to be a Nasi, means that he has two elements in his kingdom. One is to reign in the entire world to be a global leader and ruler, and also in the Jewish people to enforce the law. And the second one is a teacher and an educator. We understand that there's a, it's a major difference of how you rule as a king and how you educate. Ruling is by distance. You can only rule if you're separated from the people. If people are too comfortable with you, if you are very, very, you know, you know buddy to buddy with people, there's no way you can teach them. I'm sorry, there's no way you can rule over them. A king has to keep his distance. There's many rules in Hilchus Malachim that tells you about how the king may not act in any way that will cheapen his, his image in the eyes of the people. Everybody has to be completely removed. He has to be like aloof from the, from the nation. So that Mashiach is way above them. He's a melech. But when you're a teacher, you have to have some more of a connection to the people to understand them and to... You want them to understand you. So you have to speak a language that they can comprehend and understand, not just dominate from above. And that's the difference between the idea of Nasi and Melech. Nasi means he's higher than them. He's an elevated person, but yet connected. Melech means way above. That's the reason why in the first Pasuk it says, the David, va'avdi David, Melech alehem, alehem, upon them. Because this power is above them. He rules from above. In the second Pasuk it says, V'david avdi nasi lahem. David, my servant, will be a nasi. A nasi, and it doesn't say, it says lahem to them, not alehem, upon them, because lahem, he's to them. He's their nasi, meaning far more of a, of a, a uh, more of a connection, more of a, not equal, but more of a direct connect, as opposed to ruling from above. Um, okay, so now we'll understand these, these two ideas. We'll understand why um, one of them is, relates to a continuation of David's kingdom, and the other one is a, 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 uh, a total new thing, which parenthetically... I'm just going to bring over here. The Gemara says in Masech Sukkah, the Gemara says an interesting thing. The Talmud says about Masech Sukkah, the Gemara says that, Amar Abchana Barbizna Reb Shimon Chasida, oh no, I'm sorry, no. Ve'yikamnu, there's a Pasuk that says, Ve'yikamnu Olav, I will appoint upon them Shiva Rayim, seven shepherds, Ushmoyne Nesichi Adam, and eight princes. Who are the seven shepherds? Hear this. I mean, we're all familiar with the idea of seven shepherds, but, we, but people usually say, Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Moshe, and the Shpizen. But that's not the seven shepherds. The seven shepherds are David. He's Be'emtza. David is the main shepherd. And then Adam, Sheis, and Mesushelach are on the right side. Miyaminoi. Interesting. Adam, Sheis, and Mesushelach. Who would have thought? Avram, Yaakov, and Moshe. They are the other three shepherds. Not Yitzchak, but Avram, Yaakov, and Moshe. These are the shepherds, the nurturers of the Jewish people on his left side. Who are the eight princes that Hashem is going to appoint upon the Jewish people? Interesting. Yishai, Shaol, Shmuel, Amos, Tzafania. These are different prophets. Tzitkiyo, Moshiach, 
or Eliyahu or Mashiach. So you see, Mashiach is counted as one of the princes. David is counted as one of the shepherds. So in, in, in uh, Torah Or, the Balatanya des- describes the difference between the two. A shepherd, he says, is someone who nurtures you, is feeding you. So he's more, it's called someone who's internal, his teachings, and he, just like food, you internalize it. So to um, is someone who's a teacher and you internalize his teachings, you understand what he's saying, you comprehend it and absorb it, that's called a, that's called a shepherd. A prince means someone above. Similar to the idea that we said now, Melech and Nasi. Nesich Adam, these are Melech, someone who has an influence in a manner of makif, an encompassing influence from the outside, from above. Mashiach, Tzedkenu, is going to have both. But it's interesting. He's going to take David HaMelech's shepherdness, and that's what it says over here, David Avdi Nasi Lohem. He will be a Nasi, that's coming from Kim David. But his real Malchus de Ge'inyin, as a Melech, even though David HaMelech is the, we usually say is the quintessential king, but the real element of Malchus, Chidush, the real novelty of Malchus, is going to be Moshiach on his own. That's his Nesiche Adam, he's one of the princes, and the ultimate one. Okay. Now let's understand that now. So, a little better. And the idea is as follows. You see, this idea that Moshiach is going to be a universal king, just imagine this. I mean, we're expecting Mashiach to come momentarily. And imagine this idea that we're saying, there's going to be a human being who's going to speak to all of humanity and everybody's going to listen and everybody's going to be inspired and everybody's going to follow and he's going to control every human being in the planet in the sense that, in a, in a, in, in a way, I mean, not control in a forceful way, but he's going to influence all of humanity to follow in, a, in, in the way to accept the Torah and to accept... Now, that kind of a king, we've never had that before. To say even that David HaMelech was the beginning of that, David HaMelech was a king over the Jewish people. In terms of the Jewish people, you're right. He was an influence. But in terms of global, even Shlomo HaMelech, who we know that his fame went out, and people heard about him, and the people came to study from him, and he was revered across the whole world. But he wasn't the influencer of everybody's life, I don't even know which person in the world ever was an influence of every human being across the globe. Mashiach is going to, now obviously, some of the wicked people and the really bad guys, troublemakers, are going to be destroyed. But we're not looking at Chas Vashalem, the rest of humanity being destroyed. Mashiach is going to transform, he's going to elevate, he's going to guide, he's going to... That thing is so radical, it's so new, we've never had that before. In that Mashiach, as we said earlier, he's David Acher, he's another David. It's a new chiddush, it's a new novelty, has never been, it's a new thing, it's a completely novel kingdom that has never been here before whatsoever, and therefore, it's considered not a continuation of David the Melech. It's a total new thing. Mashiach, however, as a teacher, even though his teachings you know, that's not a new thing because we've had teachers before. Moshe Rabbeinu, obviously the teacher par excellence that the Jewish people has had. And other teachers we've had. David HaMelech was also a teacher. Now, we know that when Mashiach is going to teach Torah, his Torah teaching is going to be off the charts. It's going to be in a whole new level. Yet you can't say really Chiddush, something totally new. Because if it's totally new and it's not the same Torah, then it's not Torah. Mashiach has to teach Torah. Torah is, cannot be exchanged. 
And even the new Torah that's going to come when Mashiach comes, as it says, Torah Hadasha, a new Torah is going to come, Ititetze, that Torah is also contained in this Torah. It's not a totally new Indian. You see, Mashiach as a king, as a domineering force in the world that reaches all, that's a new idea that has never been in the world before. For that Indian Mashiach, as we said before, David Acher, it's a real Chiddush. The second Indian of Mashiach as a teacher, he's going to expand on what was and and, and the expansion is going to be tremendous, but there's still a continuation to what was before. And that's, that's, the, that's the... Now we'll also understand why the Gemara refers to this new idea of Mashiach as the Gemara says about David and, and Mashiach that he's going to be a Kaiser and a half a Kaiser. What is this idea of a Kaiser? What, and we asked before, what does he use Aramaic? And here's a very Gishmaka thing. And the idea is as follows. You see... Um, Tosfus says in Masechtis Avodazara Daf Yodam and Beis, Tosfus says that brings up the interesting idea that the Romans they had a senate, and they never wanted to have one ruler, a king. And he, I forgot the reason why they didn't want to have a king until this. Uh, I don't know if it's Julius Caesar, but the Caesar, the Kaiser, was born. And why was he called Kaiser? Tosfus says because when he was born, his mo- his, his his mother died. And they did a C-section, and they saved the baby. And the baby was still alive, and that's why he's called. So he was born an abnormal birth. And that's what Kaiser means, Caesar, meaning he wasn't born the regular way. Now, that kind of birth, called abnormal, is called Yotze Dofen in Hebrew. Now, Yod meaning it goes out from the wall, meaning not the ordinary birth. So anything that is abnormal is called Yotze Dofen. You know, when you, when you want to say something, we used to have a, a, a kind of a... A, maybe, maybe uh, I don't know, a slang or a, 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 a way you would, when we were kids, when we would refer to someone who is a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, doesn't have, he's not, uh, he's a little off, a little off the wall. We would say, he's a, there's an expression, he's a yoytzedaifen. Yoytzedaifen means, like, where, where did he come from? He's like, off the wall. Meaning, he, where was he born from? Yoytzedaifen means abnormal. When we say Moshiach is Yotzadofen means it's a Caesarean, the idea is that his kingship is totally abnormal. Totally abnormal. What do we mean by that? And, and we go back to the thing we said earlier. We said that all of humanity, all of humanity is going to be changed. That means, let's just imagine this. The world, again, Maimonides, interesting. Maimonides says that Moshiach doesn't have to make any changes in the world. He doesn't have to change the, na- the nature of the world. Simply means he doesn't have to change it, doesn't have to make miracles. Ramam says clearly. But that is not to mean that it's not going to be totally new, a metamorphosis in creation. There is, it's just that the laws of nature are not going to change because there's no bigger change than that. Then you have all of your... Take a look at the world. Today, world today, everybody's busy with what everybody's busy with. The Rambam describes over here that when Mashiach will come, the world won't be busy with anything else but to know God. That means that if you're going to have television... Now, by the way, just parenthetically, when Mashiach comes, there is going to be television. And when Mashiach comes, there's going to be the internet. Some people think that, oh, you has for shalom, that's a terrible thing. I'm not going into that, of course. It's used in many ways for bad things. And if you, and a person has a problem controlling themselves, they shouldn't use it. Be very, very careful. And we have to be very careful with our children. All that is true. And, but that does not mean that these things are going to be eradicated because, hold it, does that mean when Mashiach comes we're going to get rid of all technology? Are we going to have a refrigerator? Are we going to have an electric stove? Are we going to have a microwave? Are we, maybe a microwave is not, not so healthy. Are we, going to have, are we going to go back to, are we going to have cars? Are we going to go back to horse and buggies? Exactly which, what are we going to go out? 
what are we going to go back to? It doesn't make any sense. You see, any chiddush that Hashem made in technology, these were all. This was all a preparation for Mashiach. The reason there is an internet, the reason there is a radio, the reason why there is a television, is to spread, is so that Mashiach can teach the whole world. Now, what's going to happen when Mashiach comes? You know, ninety channels, one hundred and fifty channels, five hundred channels of television in every country in, in the world. What is it going to be showing? You're going to be able to join this class and that class, and because people are not going to be interested in anything else. There isn't going to be anything else. It's interesting. Someone just told me five minutes before I shared today that the millenniums, I don't know how they call them, these are the young generation, I forgot the word he used, uh, people that are born in after the year 2000. They did a survey. These people are willing to pay more for an experience than for an object. It's an amazing thing. That's what the Ramam says about Mashiach. He says when Mashiach comes, the, the world is going to be all the, all the madanim, all the tr- precious things in the world are going to be available like dust, but people are going to want one thing. They're going to want experience. They're going to want, they're going to be pursuing experience, knowledge of God. But in order for Mashiach to do that, let's think about that. How can one man change the world, especially if we believe that the coming of Mashiach is imminent? And the answer is, Mashiach is called a Kaiser. He's an abnormal king. Once Mashiach, I mean, I mentioned earlier, Mashiach is someone who has influence on the world before Mashiach comes and inspired, inspires Yidin to keep Torah and mitzvahs and the like. But once the moment comes and he reveals himself as Mashiach Tzadkenu to the world, such power is going to issue forth from him in which he's going to transform all of mankind. He's going to, he's, so that, again, when I mentioned earlier that there isn't going to be any changes in the world where natural, Mashiach doesn't have to do any miracles, means that the main thing the Rambam says is, that, is, is the end. The end result is that all of mankind has to serve God, has to know God and serve God. That's the end. The means to that, anyway, if he can do it through charisma, through his charisma, then he will do it through his charisma. If he needs to do miracles, he'll do miracles too. Rambam says it's not necessary. The main thing is the ultimate objective. How and what and where, how he's going to re- reach that place, we don't know. But that's for sure that this change itself is the biggest abnormality. That's why the Gemara says that Mashiach is a Kaiser. This is an abnormal thing. And that's why it shouldn't frustrate it to believe, oh, well, Mashiach's going to come. Well, how can I? I can't see the world changing. Yes, that's what the Gemara is saying. That's why it's going to take no one less than someone who's, as the Ramam describes, he is infinite, he's way, I don't know how much, but the Ramam says he's way above in wisdom than Shlomo Melech, and he's close to a prophet like Moshe Rabbeinu, and he has the Spirit of God dwelling upon him. And yes, he will metamorphosize all of creation. That's Kaiser. Now the second aspect about Moshiach is that he will also educate and teach and give and, and teach the world. That's the Palga Kaiser. That element is not as wild, so to speak, as this transformation. But now we'll also understand why the Pasuk emphasizes the last question we asked. It says, V'david avdi nasi lahem olam." That it only mentions la'olam forever when it speaks about v'david avdi nasi lahem, that he's a nasi. By the element of melech, of king, it doesn't say la'olam forever. It only mentions la'olam forever by the element of nasi. And the, and the reason for that is, and this is in a, and that is that, here's the thing, that, okay, Mashiach's job is to change the world. But how long is that going to take? Obviously, I don't know, depends how spectacular the coming of Mashiach is going to be how long it's going to take for him to get the attention of every human being across the planet and to make 
the change of everybody submitting themselves to God and everybody willing to serve Hashem. That, let's say, I don't know, it's going to take three months, it's going to take a year, it's going to take ten years, I don't know. But whatever it is, there is a certain limit to how long that's going to be, and that's over. Once all of man, once everybody's educated, and everybody's already enlightened, so to speak, fine. Then that work of compelling, of the sovereignty of Mashiach, is over. Or at least, it becomes a secondary thing from now on. What's important now? To teach. Teaching is going to go on forever and ever. Meaning Moshiach as a teacher, as a, as a rabbi, as a rebbe, as a, that element, that's going to be forever and ever and ever. There's no reason whatsoever, there's no reason whatsoever for that to stop, for that to ever come to an end. That's going to be and last permanently forever and ever. Uh, for the Jewish people. And that's why Dafka, by the second element, it says, V'david Avdi, Nasi, the David HaMelech is a Nasi, Olam forever, because this element of Nasius, which is something that he continues from David HaMelech, from David HaMelech, it's passed down from the earlier generations to him, this idea is going to continue on forever and ever. May we merit to experience Melech Be'yaf Yaitachzeno Enenu. We should see the King Melech Mashiach, King Mashiach, with our with our eyes, and merit to see these great, awesome things that are beginning to happen, and we should see it to its conclusion. Um, may it be right now. Ta-da.